Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by National Geographic Documentary Films, presenting Academy Award-nominated documentary, The Cave, from filmmaker Faraz Fayad. The story of a hidden underground hospital in Syria and the female-led team who risked their lives to run it, led by Dr. Amani Balur the 2020 winner of the Raoul Wallenberg Prize for Extraordinary Humanitarian Achievement. For your consideration, The Cave. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And Ann, I got to say, this is not hyperbole. I haven't covered as many award seasons as you, but it feels like there is more intrigue and speculation associated with this best picture race than anything I can remember. And that doesn't count Moonlight, which was a big surprise or whatever, but just in terms of, it seems like every week in this very short cycle, something happens that casts a little bit more uncertainty into the conversation. So I'm yeah, really wondering now, <laughs> what you know, is happening? I know. Uh, look, I mean, it's, it makes for a more interesting race. I mean, on the, on the dull side, if you looked at the SAG Awards over the weekend, uh, they followed up the Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globes with very much the same uh, candidates winning. You got Laura Dern for Marriage Story. You've got uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joaquin. for Joker. You've got, um, you know, the the great Renee Zellweger for Judy, and uh, and of course uh, Brad Pitt uh, for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So you end up um, with uh, no surprises there, and then you look at the Best Picture race, and you're going, "What the hell?" Because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood didn't end up winning at, at the Eddie's, uh, the editing um, awards last weekend. They were split by Jojo Rabbit and Parasite, which keeps winning things. Then on Saturday night, um, 1917 won <laughs> the PGA, right, which is the most predictive of all the guilds, the one that usually gives you best picture. And yet it's almost not, like everybody's... Yeah, everybody's not jumping up and down and saying, you know, this is it. Why do you think that is, Eric? <laughs> the universe is trolling pundits like you who exactly. think they know. No, but I, I think what's, what's because the, the stats I mean, aren't going to work in this situation. They, they, yeah, they, they just they don't keep, work. It's zigzagging. It's zigzagging. Because, well, the, the thing stats about can't apply. They just can't apply because Parasite is an anomaly, and so is 1917. The reason right. they're anomalies is that foreign language movies always win foreign language they don't win picture that's why none has ever won and uh, yeah 
And that's true. This could happen. I mean, it could change, but it, until now, it hasn't happened. Didn't but happen last cl- year with Roma it, either. It it is already closer than any foreign language yes, film or any language film has ever could, come before. I could say today that I believe Parasite could win Best Picture. I've been saying all along it could win. I I I, I could say today it's gonna win, but well, I, I think still don't know what the DGA is gonna do, and I, I don't know the, Bath. Bath is gonna do nineteen seventeen. I think you have to to look at the way in which the parasite narrative is is so compelling because one you've got in contrast to Roma last year a movie that is a, a real crowd pleaser even though there was a lot of respect for Roma you won best you wouldn't director. call it a crowd pleaser it was the it was you know it was a downer of a movie and it's a, it's a hard watch and long and all that stuff so just to be crass whereas whereas parasite really works in the room and having gone through this conversation many times over and the culture being where it's at right now, I think it's a very exciting possibility to people. And you can't discount that side of it too, that every time there is a parasite triumph, the headlines and the social media imprint gets a little bit louder around that kind of thing actually happening. It's like, they don't even have to campaign in a traditional sense because Parasite winning is something that that just automatically generates a lot of excitement, and that's that's carrying it in a way that you know. Whereas 1917 is sort of taking shape as the conventional kind of best picture front that's runner, that's and true. it's a very interesting contrast. Time in Hollywood, actually, the Hollywood Reporter arrived with this big um, reminder uh, of how uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a movie about Hollywood. And it says, you love movies. <laughs> Remember, and it's a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio in, you know, lounging in the pool in, in, uh, in the movie. And then there's a picture of, of Brad Pitt pushing uh, the luggage in his white outfit. In, and then there's a picture of, of Margot Robbie in front of the um, Westwood uh, Theater. Uh, as it's Sharon Tate, you know, it's no, it's lovely. It's lovely. People uh, really do love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that's well, what you know these what ads I love are more. designed to remind them. I, I, I mean, look, I love The Irishman, which to me is what a great Hollywood quote unquote movie should look like, well, and yet there's happening. no heat there. No, so I don't know. I mean, that that's that, the one that's the old. As much as it the breaks the rules, I mean, it, it's three and a half hours long. Um, I was sure that Thelma Schoonmaker would win best editing and she did not win at the eddies and that's a different group than the academy you could argue the academy will go more old school which she represents um and i think it's such an extraordinary job that she did on that movie but i can't i can't completely commit to it now i have to say there's a question mark there yeah i mean one of the things that comes out of this is that even the savviest awards campaigns are not ever going to be a surefire bet and they especially aren't when you have a wild card kind of candidate like a parasite which I would you know say that can, 19, nobody would have predicted this right you 1917 have. yeah no you're right 1917 though is 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 um is also a wild card because no movie has ever won best picture without acting or editing nominations 
Okay, so Parasite has an editing nomination where 1917 does not. But why does 1917 not have it? It's because it's a one shot, quote unquote, one shot movie. Somebody did edit it, but (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) And then, and, and, you know, the another movie that didn't get editing because it was a one shot movie won Best Picture, which was Birdman. But Birdman had a lot of acting in it. You know, they, they were handsomely rewarded on that front. So that that and then the other the other anomaly is is simply parasites foreign language uh status so um it has all the nominations it's it's supposed to have but it doesn't have acting which is because nobody knows their names Charlize Theron is on you know Twitter proudly standing next to one of the actresses from Parasite and and saying I'm so proud of this one right oh, you know who, well, that's whose offensive. name is <laughs> I mean, look, but the thing the thing that about that that I find kind of notable is Bong Joon-ho has been a respected filmmaker at, you know, an auteur for years and years. But but at the same time, it's taken a while for his name to be known as widely as it is this season. And Director and Bong the, is a thing that people And Director recognize. Bong, which is what you're supposed to, the formal thing. But yeah. I, I've heard people call him Bong to his face and he's not offended. However, the actor's... There, you know, the, he he brings the crew with him. And Song Kang Ho, great, the guy who plays the dad in the movie, he's, he's in a charming, bunch of his and movies. Everybody adores him, but God but forbid they remember English. his name. Well, he he can't work the room in quite the same he does. way. He's incredibly charming. He's even around, with, even with a, a with a translator. Um, they're all they all are. Uh, th- th- that's what I would say to you is the thing that's pushing me toward a parasite best picture win possibility, which is that at the beginning of the SAG Awards, when the entire room erupts in a standing ovation, when the movie's being introduced as one of the nominees, not when it wins. But at the beginning of the night, they rouse themselves into a standing ovation. That is a sign of something that I haven't seen since Moonlight, which is that feeling of a group of a community who love the people involved in a movie and are rooting for them and cheering for them. And that's what happened at the Oscars. When Moonlight finally won, the room erupted. Well, that was so weird, too. I mean, both of those filmmaking teams were young, tight-knit people with indie roots and stuff, the La La Land folks, too. Whereas I think with the Parasite thing, you also had this sense where, you know, Charlize Theron may have been inelegant in what she was doing, but it does feel like that kind of epitomizes Hollywood's desire to open itself up, like to open its borders, to open itself culturally. Right, especially when they've been criticized this year for... uh, I expected them, I expected the Academy voters to lean more into the farewell, to lean more into par- to parasite acting. And in the way that it, it turns out, the SAG actra, after people did. But um, now that they've been criticized and, and brought short for having one person of color nominated out of 20, um, the, the great Cynthia Revo, they um, may very well lean in now. And, and go with Greta Gerwig for adapted screenplay and give best song not to Elton John, but to Cynthia Rivo's stand up. That kind of movement could occur. And Parasite could be the thing that also gets at the benefit of, of wanting to lean into diversity. And we cannot discount the savviness of Neon as a distributor seeing this opportunity way long ago. I mean, they, you know, this was this movie was acquired at the script stage for U.S. rights, and the the awards 
planning started after it won the Palm d'Or, really. I mean, it was that. Yes, no that question early about on. it. A woman named Mara Buxbaum is also very involved in pushing this right. forward. And she had pushed in the way that Cynthia helps push forward movies like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Joker. Right. And so the, there is there's some very interesting machinery going on there. And, and one of the things that it coasts on yeah, is this women, notion I might of add. like the more you ask around, though, the more you find like everybody just reveres Bong and had a good time with this movie. You don't see a lot of naysayers. There, there, I haven't no. seen much in the way of no. negative campaigning. There's nobody who doesn't seem to like Parasite. It seems to be the consensus title. I mean, the conventional wisdom would say to you, that um, Parasite in 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, and Irishman, all these movies are vying for the, the, the side of the Academy that's the smart um, uh, craft side, you know, and that the more mainstream side of the Academy is less likely. And I would talk about, uh, you know, the publicists and the, the producers who, who voted for 1917 and at the PGA, um, would be going, uh, you know, the, the marketing and publicity people would be going for uh, something like um, Once Upon a Time as opposed to Parasite. But I'm not sure that's true because SAG-AFTRA is one of the most, uh, it's it's a very mainstream group, more mainstream than the Academy. Yeah, so and, and, Parasite. It's, and it's very interesting because, as you say, it's not like these, these actors noted, are known. yeah. It, it represents a broader kind of response to the movie. Well, it's a box whole. office hit. It is a global box office hit. So this brings up the whole question of the um, international side of the Academy, uh, which is uh, the Academy has diversified and, and is now 20 percent um, by their own accounting um, international. That isn't totally all over the world. It's mostly Europe. It's mostly Britain and Europe. But it is um, also um, different from all the other guilds, which are way more American and and uh, and whiter than the Academy is now. Even if the Academy is pretty white, it's it's an interesting question, you know, how that how that would make a difference in a situation like this. But as far as passion goes, with the preferential ballot for Best Picture, it's about putting things at number one and number two. Parasite's well, and also, gotta be there. If you want Parasite to win, don't put 1917 as number two because you probably are helping 1917 more. I don't right? want people, people don't to do that. that. I don't want anybody it, to fake around with their ballots. Well, that everybody, makes me I think crazy. That's the nature of the. That's if why you don't they want something to it. win. It should be you, the well, exactly. honest view of what but you But this love. is a situation we have to vote. I don't like the Electoral College, but sometimes you got to campaign in certain states to win. I mean, like that. This is the nature of the process, isn't it? On some level, I mean, if you should be aware of it's how the your nature votes of count. what's wrong with the process. I don't think right. anybody. A, I don't think anybody should fake around. I don't. Well, I, hate just, it, I hate it when a friend of mine told me that they didn't put a movie on their ten best on their on their ballot on their nominating ballot because they didn't think it have a, had a chance. That, well, that's that, just that's, stupid. That upsets but, but me. But I, I think set aside that. I think the it was the farewell, it. by the way. But don't put a, don't put a movie on your ballot if you don't want it to win, right? You don't have to put all the movies on there. You don't have to. You don't have to have five movies on your ballot or whatever it is. Nine movies, right? You could just you could vote for three or something. Nine is Although what that, it ends up being uh, out of out of uh, anyway. They, 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 a possible ten. Um, they don't vote for that many. Right. So, so, but it is an interesting question. You know, let's say that you, you'd be, 
you, you really want Parasite to win and you just assume that 1917 is, is sort of the front runner, but you don't want it to win, it probably shouldn't be on your ballot at all as opposed to ranked lower But people take the these statistics to crazy levels. It's like... It's like the, 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 you know, no movie has been at, at a, such a high level of gross at the moment of, of nominations. And, you know, it's like people go crazy. Well, that's fun, with these though. Stats. I mean, it's it crazy. keeps the Oscars relevant. And if you can gamify it, why not? I mean, mm. I think that the, the, tri- the trivia aspect of all this stuff, I mean, th- there is a legitimate relationship that goes on there, even if it's not necessarily re- related to they who's help actually going to get win. where you're going. But right now, judging what's on the on the minds of the academy at, at this stage is is the best you're going to do it's really it's re- impossible to use the the stats to help you here i'm just loving the way this is all playing out like i have to tell you i was out on sunday i had just seen bad boys for life in 4d which is probably the only tolerable way to see that movie i went out with with a friend to 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 dinner and I knew SAG was going on and I was sort of tracking that and sort of like, how crazy would it be if Parasite won? And then all of a sudden my phone started blowing up. You know, the response to this happening, you usually don't see that kind of response to the SAG winner being such a kind of dramatic moment. And I, and I feel like those moments keep happening in a way that, that is going to keep the intrigue going and whether well, or not, it just feels you know, like the other movies are all splitting each other off somehow. The, the regular yeah. movies, the movies that we all know and like, and parasites, the one that crosses all the boundaries and everyone likes, and it becomes yeah, I mean, I, I, this title. I would have loved to see it be like parasite versus pain and glory and everybody else just like smoldering, Below them, but but it, it, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if one of the the great non English language movies from 2019 benefits from the more traditional choices fighting to the death in the background, then you know that goodwill prevails because they're so likable, right? I mean, like the likability factor is so strong this year with one contender above all else. So I think what's also going to be interesting, and you can fill in the gaps here, is that we've got a very busy weekend in terms of awards development. Yeah, right? so I'm waiting to see what happens with the DGA, which should be interesting. And um, and then on uh, the... the, the uh, There's also the adapted screenplay could be revealed uh, by the winner of the scripter awards, which are very predictive. And that's an interesting race because... I had this intuition again, you know, who knows if I'm right or wrong. I had at some point I had an intuition that that could be the one category that a very, very popular contender could win. That is Jojo Rabbit. But it's also the category that another very popular movie could win late, namely Little Women. And so it's well, Gerwig versus YTT in the adapted screenplay race. Well, it's, it's, which I find kind of interesting too, because I mean, we use that word interesting a lot, it has a lot of different connotations, but here it's almost like it's this funny window into a hypothetical where it's like in another year, those two movies could have been much bigger kinds of contenders. Right. You know, the, they're, they're, I mean, they're both well liked. Also, also rands at this point, but they're also, in other words, you know, a, a, a New Zealander um, of color could be accepting an award or a woman could be accepting an award. You know, it becomes about that also. 
Well, right. That's a, that's a, the whole other thing that we got into last week. But it's it's true. That's the more what ifs you play, the more uh, you wonder. You know what might fix the the diversity equation this year, and whether or not it's going to play but out. The other thing respect. that's going on is that Greta Gerwig is an incredibly good ambassador for her movie. She's the most charming. I just was at the Santa Barbara Film Festival, which is part of the awards circuit. And I did an interview with Adam Driver on Friday night, which was really fun because I hadn't had so much time with him one-on-one. And he's charming and funny and actually quite hilarious. Um, And he was playing to the big room there at the Arlington as if he was in the theater. I mean, his old theater chops are there. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, and, and, uh, and, and then there was the virtuosos where, um, <laughs> you got people like Taryn Edgerton and, uh, Cynthia Erivo and, um, Aldous Hodge singing their favorite karaoke songs, acapella. <laughs> you gotta keep just, it interesting it was, somehow. It was so fun. It was Aquafina and Florence Pugh, and it was just such an incredible uh, George Mackay, such an incredible assemblage of Beanie Feldstein, uh, such a great a, a group of talent, you know, uh, for this year, and and really entertaining. And and then the writers panel that I always do, and and Greta, of course, dominated it completely. Um, and she um, is 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 a very good advocate for her own cause. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, she's that she charming. plays the game, and she she's and super she knows, smart she's been and charming, it. and, been and she knows it. what to do. Yeah. So I'm heading off to Sundance tomorrow. You're not, but maybe before we get into the whole Sundance thing, you could tell us a little bit more about why, because there's a lot of award well, stuff. Happening so what happened is Sundance. that at a certain point I was figuring out the whole awards calendar and I realized that um, I would have to go up to Sundance, uh, you know, tomorrow and come back on Sunday because the um, Academy lunch uh, for the nominees is on Monday. And that, that has never happened before. And it's, it's never happened that I can remember that the, um, Santa Barbara Film Festival came, actually took place before Sundance. It usually takes place after I get back from Sundance. Um, and so I realized that I could write, uh, see a bunch of movies and write about them ahead of time without going. Um, and and give give the spot to uh, someone else deserving on the IndieWire staff. So there's a whole what? group of you up there, yeah, and, we'll miss and you're going to do and, your live uh, uh, your live thing on Monday. Say, yeah, we'll, we'll miss you, but we'll be chugging along and doing a lot of but what we I, usually do. If we did a second, if we did do a second um, um, uh, podcast next week. Um, we could talk about the docs because I have been able to see quite a few of them and a few. And of what's what's going to be a big deal at Sundance this year does seem to be the docs. No I mean, question. coming out of last year, oh, we've talked about this bunch, but I mean, the market was really inflated and the headlines were blaring about Amazon 13 million deal, deal and all this kind of stuff. And so we I've have a, a good amount of stuff story out there now from Tom that really lays it out. Shows you yeah, how, and how small that market really is. The no, no surprise, no surprise there, really. 
But not only is the appetite for documentaries huge, but when you really break it down, I mean, a lot of these entities that are out there that have really changed the game, they stand to benefit a lot from documentaries because documentaries can drive news. They're not usually that expensive to make. They can be about a celebrity. So you can have a star system of sorts associated with them. And all of these different entities from Netflix to Amazon to HBO Max to Apple, they all are going to be looking at it. They yeah. need the content. So, so, so there's not going to be, there's a huge market now uh, and, and things are, things are selling. Um, and we're keeping track of that. So you can track that on IndieWire as well. And, um, you know, I, so I saw one movie, HBO, um, back this movie, Welcome to Chechnya, which I highly recommend. It'll be showing on HBO in June and it's making its world premiere on Sunday, um, which is a really scary story about what's going on in Chechnya, which is a Muslim Russian Republic country that is persecuting gays and, and throwing them in jail and killing them. It is, it is a bad situation. And I've um, heard good stuff about this movie for yeah. a long time. Going so back to last a, year. So it's about an underground railroad of people trying to save them. And David France, obviously Oscar nominated for how to survive a plague is, is um, you know, he keeps getting more interesting as a filmmaker. So even his March of P Johnson doc, which I think divided people was innovative in terms of how it tried to make that story involving. So I'm very curious about, that one and especially well, the other in, in thing a, is that that he does this new facial rec, rec, he does this replacement of the faces in a way that has never been done before in order the to technology protect, yeah. protect their it's visual effects in order to and protect so I think their there, uh, identities i think there will be a few uh newsier docs like that you've also got the kirby dick amy Ziering film which is now called on the record about the russell simmons sexual assault victims which uh, had this whole story with oprah pulling out and then you also have and this film, the dissident and apple well, because of the oprah, because oprah yeah. and and the dissident which is a new film from brian fogel who did icarus and has to do with the jamal khashoggi murder and and the whole saudi yeah, arabia of it all. so it's gonna and be also us kids big. which is about the and, parkland kids from from sure. m snyder and, and hillary there's, clinton oh, there's a hillary clinton which is like a, a four a series part series yeah on hulu and we're gonna yep. talk to her in our video studio i'm excited about that it's going to be a lot of, like I said, it's a lot of documentary related stories, which I think really just shows you in, in very blatant terms where the market is heading. But I'm also curious about what happens to the movies that are tra- the sort of traditional Sundance breakout stories. I mean, one of the things that I get a, a kick out of when I go to Sundance is being on the front lines and seeing, okay, this new talent is going to be the next big thing, whether or not the movie's good or not, you know, you feel that echoes vibe of like everybody flipped out from, you know, uh, I mean the, the, you know, the beast of the Southern wild or whatever it is. Well, you, you actually did a you know? story on Wendy on what took Wendy so long to get. Yeah. Made. That's where my mind went there. Eight and, and years or something. Yeah, I mean, it's been eight years since it, it's been more, but it was a sort it of seven year production it was, story. It was 2012. 
Seven, well, but it, but he spent one year promoting Beast. So so if you really break it down, it was a seven year production cycle, which just doesn't necessarily make it sound that much better. But but I think what's kind of fascinating about it is that I like this movie quite a bit, and I, I don't think I can say too much about it because it's embargoed. But but I did see it and, and do the first interview with with Ben, and um, and it's very similar. I mean, it's a, if you like Beast, you're probably going to like this movie, and and I think that what I what's what's culturally interesting to me there's that word again in this context is that it i wonder if if this was a first feature and premiered at sundance right now if it would instigate the kind of enthusiasm when the market is in a different place i mean it just made me think about it. it's like fox searchlight opening its pocketbook back then it was not a disney entity to buy a movie like that that was so unusual and then get it all these oscar nominations oh everybody everybody was excited about that movie yeah. i remember when it showed i it was one of the most exciting screenings i've ever been to it spread like wildfire. They landed it. It wasn't. It a became question immediately. Of, it wasn't a question of it being a a, a, a a scary buy. It was a. It was the buy they could get because they were. Well, the but top it was of still a very. It was a kind it of non traditional movie. It was a. It was a they strange knew they movie. Could sell it. They knew they. Could you sell could it. not. They you could not synopsize it. They took it to Cannes and it won the camera door. It hit every step of the way it hit what it needed to hit to be the success that it became and, and the, the, the five meme, Oscar you know? nominations which is amazing. Yeah, it was great. But it was still a very strange film and and I don't know if I could pinpoint a narrative movie in the lineup this year that is poised. I knew Beast was going to be this thing because I had seen Ben Zeitlin's short film Glory at Sea. The closer to the ground you are with these kinds of filmmakers, the more clearly you can see kind of who's on that path. And this year I'm not sure I can see it. There's a film called The 40-Year-Old Version from a filmmaker named Rada Blank, who is very, she's a very funny personality. It could be sort of like a tiny furniture type of Lena Dunham discovery, perhaps. But I don't know. It it sort of depends on what the market decides to do with that film. I I could not tell you this year exactly where all this stuff is going to go. And I, I like that, but I also feel like much in the way we were talking about this uncertain best picture race, there's a certain kind of um, jittery uncertainty where it's like, I want to be drawn into the drama of this, but I also feel like the drama reflects some things that are probably making the industry freak out a little bit because it just doesn't know what kind of stage it's in. So, Well, if, here's the real the bottom week, we'll line, see. Eric. The real bottom line is that more and more and more over the past few years, Sundance is no longer about big pickups or projects being shown in theaters or even on streaming. It's about talent discovery. And that's what's going to happen again. I mean, docs, that's real. That's a real market. But in terms of, of you know, what's going to be the next big movie at Fox Searchlight? Not so much. It's about talent yeah. discovery. It's about okay, the well, next wait, person they can hire to, right, to direct sure. something. And then it's a question of does that person want to get hired to do that and, and who they're going to start working Nina with. Nina Dunham they take ended up on years. HBO with a series after right. out of South by Southwest. So but that's what happened. You know, you know and it, it, it is no longer about going to movies. It's sometimes about going well, to the movie movies. The movie's got to be good. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And there are TV shows too, so that's a whole other 
can of worms right there. Well, I, let me plug one more time that on Monday at 1 p.m. at the Canada Goose Lounge on Main Street, we'll have our special screen talk. The offer remains open, and if you want to call in, if not, no, you might no, have to no. do some impersonations or something. No, let's I'll do another one. Let's do another one at the end of the week and talk about <laughs> we that. We got more to come. Yep. Exactly. All right. I'll see you on the other side. Have a good weekend. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.